hello, all you Lasso fans. This is Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from NPR Illinois and the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my co-host, Biscuits with the Boss, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. How are you, sir? What it is, Lassoholics. I'm so happy to be back doing some more Lasso talks here. Um, uh, fresh off of our appearance at LassoCon, man. LassoCon number two. I know, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do, I do want to introduce our other guest for this week. This man has joined us now for both seasons. He came in our season two. He was on a couple of episodes. Now returning for Tan Lines, one of the best episodes of all of Ted Lasso. We have Justin Suter from the Disney Dads podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. My my fingers are sore from sending you all so many emails saying, yes, you do need a Facebook group. So, yes, but I'm super excited to be here. Oh, you're the one. That's right. Okay. I'm the one. I have bombarded you. Yes, yes we will get it set up, and uh, we will definitely invite you in there, and we'll all talk Ted Lasso all the time. Although I will say that in your Disney Dads group, cross promote here you uh talk ted lasso every now and then and you have a great group of people so tell us what's been up uh over at the disney dads podcast it's been a busy busy week so we do a yearly trip which you know bump 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 uh was put on hold because of covid but now we are back at it we have our disney dads podcast cruise 2022 coming up with uh bookends with a disney trip before and after so super excited about that we always have a great turnout last time i think we had close to 100 people on board a disney cruise line and we just took over the ship so it's always a lot of fun to get everyone out there and uh, yeah we're just diving into everything disney and like ted lasso everything positive over there so come join us we absolutely absolutely love to see you yeah, and then maybe we can get the uh, peanut butter and biscuits. I don't know. What would it would be a cruise or what would we <laughs> Let's do? Let's do this trip to the Crown and Anchor, I guess, Richmond? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can go across the pond maybe or something. Uh, Justin's a, a travel agent in his day job as well, so he could get us all hooked up for that. But there we go. Three Jeremy, open jars of peanut butter for everybody, guys. That's, a, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Jeremy, you mentioned LassoCon. And so our housekeeping this week, I really want to focus on saying thank you to the organizers of LassoCon 2. That was so much fun. Yeah, and I had such a great time. What are your thoughts on it, buddy? Yeah, no, it was it was a blast. It was great. The panels were awesome. The speakers were awesome. Um, just so encouraging to see um, one, just the fan base interact with each other, but then also see that there are fans who take this as seriously as we do. Um, if I'm being honest, like there is like legit psychologists and stuff like talking about Nate's villain turn in season two. And I was like, Oh, I think I understand this more now. Um, but, uh, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, you and I, of course, we did this big technical setup that we didn't get to use, um, because you know, crowd casting is, is hard guys. Uh, but we might actually do a little something something with that uh in a future pbmb episode here to uh you know g- g- give you a sense of what it would have been like everyone yeah let's not bury the lead uh we are going to next week do our favorite tedisms our yeah. top tedisms and make that into an episode jeremy had it all set up all the clips were ready to go yeah. and then crowdcast did not want to let it do i had like five you... pieces of equipment like all running at the same time <laughs> it was it was you impressive logged in. You logged in with your phone right at the right time because I was just starting to go down. And I was like, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, please uh, come. And then you saved me. It was great. Um, theater training just deluxe. A, <laughs> a bit of feedback from that. Uh, Kevin, one of the organizers, messaged me today and said that uh, he's had several people reach out and say that they really loved our enthusiasm from yeah. that. So if you're a new listener because you came to LassoCon, thank you so much for checking us out. We really do appreciate it. And thank you to everyone, all the organizers, Chris and Ted and all of those folks. And you know, we also have, and I missed his name, but I went to the after party for LassoCon. And uh, so people were chatting in there and some gentleman was on from Sri Lanka mm. and they were like, what brought you to LassoCon? And he was like, I wanted to check out peanut butter and biscuits. And <laughs> it was, it was four o'clock in the morning when oh, he Lord. was over in Sri Lanka. <laughs> so Thank you so much for listening, first of all. And if that was you, please write in at uh, frontrowlasso at gmail.com because we want to chat with you <laughs> for sure. That's amazing. Just, yeah, yeah, isn't that yeah. great? Isn't it crazy, this podcasting? I mean, you get that from Disney Dads yes, too. Yes. Like just people all over the world that talk to you. And it's, it's incredible how far your voice can travel yeah. in this medium. So it's just great. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're huge so, in Sri Lankan people. Like I, I would say, we're huge. the preeminent Sri Lankan podcast. And if you're At in Sri Lanka, the- they could really use another email besides me. So please, please send that. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That's this right. Is true. Uh, 
So what I will say, uh, thank you so much again to the organizers of LassoCon. Mm. We can't wait to be back for LassoCon 3. Now, the last piece of housekeeping before we start to jump into this episode is that we were retweeted today, and this geeked me out this morning. So we posted that we were uh, getting ready to prepare to talk about tan lines, and Vicki Howard retweeted us, and that happens to be the real-life Henry Lasso's mom. Yeah. And so... Vicky, if you're out there listening, or Gus Turner, if you're listening, Henry Lasso himself, please, uh, please just know that open invitation, if you yeah. ever want to talk Ted Lasso at all, please let us know, and we would love to have you. And thank you for, again, allowing me to geek out on a Wednesday morning when I get this t uh, tweet, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, that's <laughs> Henry's mom. Are you kidding me? So it's great that you listen, and thank you so much for checking us out for sure. Any other housekeeping before we get into this thing, Jeremy? I don't think so, man. There's there's a lot to break break into with this episode. Man, oh man, oh man. Let's let's dive in. All right. So right away we get wishing and hoping by Dusty Springfield, <laughs> yes. which is gonna open us up. Just the a nice a Dusty Springfield song. reference for, for all the kids out there. <laughs> <laughs> Justin <laughs> Justin, the music. I, I mean, I know I'm stopping, and I should say, everyone, this is probably my favorite episode it's certainly my favorite episode of, of season one it is likely my favorite episode of the whole show so i might stop a lot in this and you'll have to you'll uh, have to yell at me you too if i stop too often but i did want to mention the music here and the music choice justin you talk to me about your thoughts on how they incorporate music into this show overall you know, it is so funny that you would mention that because I've been on now three times right and i don't think on any any of the other episodes did i mention music the fact that you would say that, that I watched this episode again today and I immediately went to iTunes to look up the Mumford and Sons song that is yeah. at the end that I'm sure we'll discuss forever. And then it's it led me song. to the Ted Lasso kind of playlist on iTunes that I ended up downloading and putting on my phone. I think this is the first time in the series that we really see the impact that the musical score has on not only the emotion of the episode, but also the character development in itself. You know, you start to see that with Higgins. It's the perfect song with Higgins and his wife. Yeah. Him stepping out of the car, his perfect bubbly personality, and her perfect one-liner that I hope your boss gets heart disease. It absolutely <laughs> is so perfect and clutch. I love it. And what's great, after they get out of the car and then Ted's heading into the building, he really bumps his head. And I want to talk about this. This is actually an exclusive from LassoCon. So they had one of the editors on, uh, and that was AJ Catalan. And he, Ted, that that actually happened for real. Oh. They had to call oh. the medics. So Jason's head was like gashed open, <laughs> and they had to call the medics on it. And then they were like, well, we have to use that in the show. So they basically kind of recut everything around it. And then they added that scene in with Rebecca afterwards because this just happened on the set and they were like, okay, we got to <laughs> roll with it. So, uh, so there you go. Lasso con, uh, you came through with a very great story and sorry, Jason, that you had to get hurt in the process, sure. but love that opening. Jeremy, talk to me about what your thoughts are as far as uh, Higgins getting out of the car. We're seeing some of that family dynamic with him. And then we're also seeing Ted getting into the building uh, as we start off the episode here. Yeah, it's really a lot of fun um, because, of course, if you don't know, Higgins and his wife are played by real life couple, um, <laughs> real life husband and wife duo here. Um, so this is this is really fantastic just when you have that point there. But I love Mrs. Higgins because she does just have this perfect like personality to go with him you know like because you're right Higgins is very bubbly he's very you know kind of happy-go-lucky um and it's so easy to write those characters like dumb or pathetic in sitcoms um, and I love that they don't do that for him um but yeah she's just like this perfect kind of sardonic compliment to him um and yeah like even when she says that line Justin it's just like a he can't he can't say he agrees but he's just kind of like oh you know like that and he even with how Rebecca treats him um but it is great it's great to always see the Higgins clan here and um, yeah I do also love when they get into the building though and we get this scene with Rebecca because man they do a lot of backstory heavy lifting there don't they um, with this especially when you look at it through the guise of how Ted reacts to therapists at the opening of season two, um, because that's the thought that ran into my head. And I know I'm jumping a little ahead here, but like the, you the, certainly the, are. Yeah. But that's like the, <laughs> that's the thought that entered my head when I saw the first part of this opening was like, they, um, 
you know, he's talking about couples therapy and all that. And uh, the big line comes a little later. But I thought to myself, like, man, they're planting the seeds of why Ted really doesn't like therapy all the way back here in episode five, which is pretty, pretty impressive considering where it goes. Think about where we were coming up to this point. So this is why I say that Tan Lines is the um, the one episode that really nailed Ted Lasso for me and made it to where it was absolutely my favorite show that's on television right now or streaming right now. And it's because we've had some of these kind of like character setups, character development going on, but it's been sort of more comedic, right? It hasn't really dove into uh, huge issues. It's hinted at those. You get that call in the pilot between Michelle and Ted mm. and you get different glimpses of, well, there might be something bubbling underneath here, but this is the first time that he's being vulnerable to someone else and talking to Rebecca and saying, yeah, we've got some marital issues. And then of course they bringing up uh, how therapy to him didn't really work in this whole idea of the code word of Oklahoma that they use <laughs> as well. And they have to speak the God's honest truth to one another. And so uh, it, it's, it's really interesting that the, how the writers were able to establish the character of Ted Lasso as this positive optimist. And then you almost feel for Michelle, she could be a villain in a way because she's going to, they're ultimately going to end this uh, relationship by the end of this episode. But because he is such an over the top positive optimist, when he's telling Rebecca, this is why this isn't working. You get it. You can understand Michelle's point of view, right, Justin? A hundred percent. I mean, Look, I've been married for 10 years. I've been in a, you know, my relationship with my wife for 14. I, I think it, it's a it's an interesting concept that when you take a comedy and you interject these real life feelings and, and attitudes that, like you said, she could become a villain. But also when you're in a relationship for a long time and my wife and I are happily married, you do go through ups and downs and peaks and valleys and you can understand where her point of view is and you can understand that, hey, at one point she reached, she reached this level that she can never love Ted as much as she, as she did before. And just the hurt that you see in Ted's uh, uh, eyes as he's trying to stay positive with Rebecca mm. during this scene, you can see it in his eyes. Jason does such a good job when he's explaining Oklahoma and what it is. It is for me. That's what sets this, this show apart from so many others is because it's not just a comedy. You can relate to it, uh, whether you're going through something. You know, it's got a little something for everyone. It, 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 it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I also love that relationship that's building between Rebecca and Ted. And this follows on the foot of the gala where she's uh, kind of more or less opening up a little bit to Ted uh, over the uh, Rupert and everything else that's going on. Ted leaves her with that great line from last week of <laughs> just telling her, you know, like that you might not think that ever anybody sees him the way that you do, but we do. And so she's able to now have this kind of awkward moment where Ted's like, yeah, how are you feeling about the, me opening up to you? And she's like, I, I don't think I like it. <laughs> I, love I, I love that she's just barely starting to bring down her defenses when it comes to Ted Lasso. And I absolutely love uh, the dichotomy of that relationship that's moving forward. Although I will say for the record, because I am on the record of this, I am not a Ted Becca fan. No. So uh, still <laughs> no. not wanting to see them together. I'm very sorry to those listeners out there that are yelling really, in their car right now. I really, I don't want, I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Ted and sassy all day long, all day long. Ted and Ted and himself. He needs just, just some moments to himself. <laughs> Ted and beard. I don't There's know. There's a great Ted and himself line today. in this episode too. There so. is. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, Jeremy, this does establish the, uh, the therapy arc even before we get there in the second season. So, us as fans already know that there's some trepidation there. He doesn't really go after therapy as much as he does in the beginning episodes of the second season, but certainly it is something that will come up as a reoccurring theme. Now, next we go to Keely and she walks into Jamie's place and there's a woman there. Now, granted, they did break up less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> uh, I love that the woman also says that uh, she's Keely's biggest fan. Like, yeah. what is that going to do in this situation? Like, why are you saying that? Um, and so then uh, Jamie, she says to Jamie that he had helped her be able to move on because obviously she's made the right choice in moving on about that. But then they also do talk about the promo shoot that uh, 
Keeley has been able to set up for Jamie and that that is still going to go and move forward as well. Before we get to the practice on the pitch, any thoughts or any comments on this scene, this kind of breaking up between Jamie and Keeley? Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I think in a weird way, this is when I actually start to kind of like Jamie. <laughs> it's you're kind on, of you're strange. going to Jeremy's side here. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> here is why, okay? He's the only true character we've met so far. Mm. And what I mean by that is he is him at this point, and he does not care. <laughs> he's shouting later. He's shouting me, yeah. me, <laughs> me. Me, he's saying meat. Doing the Rob Van Dam move, man. Yeah, uh, uh, but he—he's—he is the perfect idiot. Yeah, Jamie Tart's the perfect idiot. I mean, he is—he's almost so dumb, and be, and believes his greatness that he's lovable at yeah. times. You you know what I mean? It's like getting a dog that just keeps you know being dumb and you just love it you just stare at it you're like and you could see keely kind of looks at him the same way she's like oh you're my creation i understand where i am now you know you can see i think this is keely's biggest growth in one scene hmm. she instantly realizes all right i've outgrown you and i'm i'm ready to, to move on in my life whereas he's like what yeah, I told. Him, Do you expect me to shower alone? Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh my God! No, you're right though, Justin, because Phil is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this episode. Um, just from a character perspective, you're right because y y there is never a second where we don't believe you're absolutely right that Jamie, like, he does not understand why there should be awkwardness here. Like, no, not at all. And like when he literally <laughs> says, with every ounce of sincerity, "You're welcome for helping you get over the relationship with." Him himself it is just that incredible <laughs> lack of irony that you're right like you're just sitting there it's like how can i not love this guy like he's just he's so stupid <laughs> with two words he he sets he sets keely free i mean yeah. with the you're welcome you're welcome yeah <laughs> and that's all it took and keely's like oh okay i'm good all yeah, right you i know. like to i like to make people feel good <laughs> it's just it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic and perfect and but you're right though, is he it's a like, beetle I guess so. He's, <laughs> what, what, what was that? That was my That's our uh, impressions. Yeah. Okay, Craig, just go with it. <laughs> That's John Lennon doing Phil Dunster. Um, so, but it, but it also contrasts great with Jamie's interactions later in the episode because then he goes full wrestling villain here in the rest of this episode, except for one key scene, which I know you guys know what it is and we'll talk about it. But it, that that whole dichotomy of like lovable lug and truly evil like Regina George Mean Girl is like what makes his character so dynamic i love and it and we follow him onto the pitch as we're looking at practice now we talked about the biscuits in episode two here it is we finally get the second half of our name peanut here butter. in episode five <laughs> we get to talk about the peanut butter which is a great awesome tedism so we probably yeah. shouldn't quote the whole line here but the big thing is that sam is open running down the pitch and Jamie is unwilling to make the extra pass. And so this idea of what the extra pass means, and of course the extra pass is just a play, right? But it also means so much more than that. Mm. It means that teamwork aspect It's bringing in somebody else and allowing them to have a little bit of the glory so you can have the assist. And then you can also uh, move forward as a team, right? And so we see that Ted starts talking to Jamie about what that means to have the extra pass. And then they start running the drills again. And then the most heartwarming thing you'll ever see, Jason Sudeikis hauling ass over a, a pitch to find his kid. The whole Henry pitch. Lasso has shown up. And so talk to me before we get to the family dynamic here about anything. Now, Justin, you were just coaching a soccer tournament yeah. very recently. Are they doing the extra pass? Do you have the girls doing the extra pass? So here's the thing. And <laughs> I try to have them do the extra pass. <laughs> uh, I was in Savannah coaching all weekend long. So my voice is a little bit, a little bit shot, but uh, I, I think what people miss and maybe like if you've ever coached sports, the extra pass too represents more to Ted than just an extra pass. Mm. It is the building of a family and of trust. Yep. And where Ted is away from his family for so long, he's trying to make this core group of guys come together and have a family on the pitch. And that's his, his motivation to Jamie. He's saying, look, it's not the fact that I know you could beat this guy off the dribble and, and score, but 
for us to come together, we need you to make the extra pass. We need you to be a part of the cog. We need you to be uh, a part of the circle, you know, that is our family. And I think he's almost taken that void that he hasn't had since he's been gone and filling it with that need to create this family that he had when he coached football in America. You know, you see the dancing video in episode one. Mm-hmm. He wants that again, and he's working to get there. Uh, but, yeah, that is a long run, 120 yards, guys, for, yeah. a, for a full-size soccer pitch. And that is a, and I love the line, oh, I thought you guys would meet me well, halfway, meet but me it's halfway, okay. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Is it Nate that says, like, that's a lot longer than he that's thinks long. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, just, just fantastic. And how it's shot. It's all great. Cause he's just running. He's just running full bore at his kid. Jeremy, anything to add here in this scene? Uh, well, I got to call out, um, you know, breakthrough award winner to heave Jamo uh, in this scene, because that, that patented Sam optimism, just like Jamie's totally ragging on him. And all he's is like, Oh, I have my name. And Beard tells him not to worry about it. He's like, Oh, okay. And he just runs away. It's like, it is absolutely charming again. Like uh, Tahib cuts such a great uh, presence every time he's on the screen. And of course he plays a big part in what ca- happens in the game, but uh, I just really loved him in that. And yeah, Jason's uh, interactions with the kid are, are just so fantastic. It's like prototypical why you love Ted Lasso because he's just constantly on in such a endearing way. And Does Tahib have the greatest oh, smile ever? Yes, yes. Tahib might. He might have the greatest smile ever. <laughs> just lights up a, a, a pitch, lights I mean, up a room, lights up an anything. <laughs> they need an award for that in Hollywood. There you go. They, Greatest smile ever. So he they do. wins it every they year. Do. Um, I will say that he did, you know, you mentioned it. He ran a critics choice award, uh, the breakthrough award. And actually Brett Goldstein is the one that gave it to him. And Aww. even he, in his, uh, in not in bringing him up to the stage, he was like, uh, who, who doesn't like this guy? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <come on>. like, <laughs> Cola told us the same thing, man. It's <laughs> just like, he's just, it's annoying how happy he is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we get a couple of different scenes here. I want to take them all together. Uh, we get a very brief scene between Higgins and Rebecca where Higgins tells her the tickets are not selling out. And so uh, Higgins is kind of like, well, the tickets are not selling out. You know, that he's kind of worried about it. Rebecca is like, no, this is my plan in action. So that means the fans, we're starting to lose the fans, which is exactly what she wants in this whole major league subplot uh, that's carrying us through season one. But then we get to go to the Jamie press conference and it's fantastic. <laughs> Everything about it is fantastic. Uh, you get the brunicorn there. Yep. You get holding it like a the baby. Be- the beer you got everything. <laughs> All wonderful. But one thing that I had actually missed, and this goes back to, you know, Brandon, I think a couple of episodes ago told you and me that we were way off base on this whole idea that maybe Keeley wasn't supposed to be as big of a character mm. moving forward prior to this. This is actually where Rebecca starts her down the trail to be able to be her own marketer and be uh, kind of the brand ambassador for Richmond. And so it, it happens a lot earlier than I thought. And it's just because, you know, again, in watching this show, a lot of the times in previous rewatches, I just binge the whole 10 episodes back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And you kind of lose pieces like this. So it is interesting to see that for sure. Anything you want to comment there, Jeremy, on the uh promo or anything that has to do with Rebecca and Higgins in that little scene as well. Sure. Absolutely. Well, a Phil, no notes, no notes. The press conference is perfect. Um, absolutely. I really wonder how much of that was just him improving. I hope a lot um, because it's just absolutely fantastic, but you're right. It's interesting. I, I do like that the ticket aspect happens here because if you remember in a little bit of foreshadowing here, tickets for the, um, I can't remember which one I want to say a man city game, maybe, um, is what puts Higgins over the edge. Um, so it's interesting that they're planting a little tiny seed of that right there, that that's like kind of the last straw for him um, before he eventually quits. Um, but I do also love, you're right, like Rebecca just can't help herself, can she? Like even though she wants to try to put on this veneer of this, yeah, like um, uh, Rachel uh, character from from Major League, she just can't do it. You know, she, she still is invested. Ted makes her laugh genuinely in that opening scene. Keely and her have this genuine connection here that she wants her to be around. Uh, it's not a play she's doing i think she just actually likes keely and just wants her around so um she just can't uh, can't quite go full villain there can she 
No, no, she can't. But we're okay with that because we end up really liking her later on, yeah. right? <laughs> so now we get to see the family go to the Crown and Anchor and get to meet Baz and Paul and Jeremy, and they are all interacting. They've got a great bit with Henry throwing the darts. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, then we also start to see Michelle and Ted begin a conversation that's going to kind of propel us into the family section of this episode, which again, might be one of the most heartwarming parts of this entire episode. And I'll have to say again, Vicki, if you're listening, your son does amazing acting yep. uh, throughout all of this, just by just being present and that building of the double decker bus in Ted's apartment, it, it's got such an emotional attachment to it. You know, I can't even imagine the idea. I have a six-year-old and I can't imagine being away from him for two days, let alone being away from him for and across the world from him for months at a time. Uh, it, it, it just like kind of breaks your heart. And, it, and it's lovely that Henry doesn't want to go anywhere and do anything. He just wants to be with his dad. Mm. And that is just like, oh, God, it just hit me in the feels. And Justin, this might be one of the reasons why I brought you on, because uh, the Disney dads, you were all kind of brought together through this idea of fatherhood. And you get to really see Ted and his fatherhood on full display here in these scenes. So your thoughts about the family scenes that we have. You nailed it. So little history, just really quickly on me, I had a full-time job and worked 10 months out of the year on the road and I left to, to be a dad. And I haven't been away from Riley since the day she was born. I can't imagine the pain Ted is feeling on a daily basis being away from his son. And, you know, it's funny because when they're sitting in the pub and they're having the conversation and he's playing darts, you start to see the awkwardness and it's almost like a first date feel yeah. between the two. Yeah. And then you fast forward just a little further to where they're building the bus. And she has such a perfect line where she says, well, six hands are better than four. And that to me is gives that like true family dynamic of, okay, we're a group, we're together. And you almost in your head as a viewer are going, Hold on a second here. Okay, I know they're having some issues, but when they're together and they're you know the three of them are all there, it seems to work. And maybe this is going to work out in the future. You get that little glimpse of maybe you know the 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 light at the end of the rainbow that you're going to get this uh, 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 perfect family. You like how I add those together? Light at the end of the tunnel and the rainbow, the yeah, rainbow. all together. I like to do that. So. <laughs> no worries. Jeremy, your thoughts on all this? No, you're, you're absolutely right. I got the exact same feel, Justin, of a first date, especially when she's like, it's like a first date blended with like such familiarity. It's a really mm -hmm. weird dance that they do there because she literally quotes his, his own sayings back to him in a way of just like, Oh, you know, I, I know this and, and stuff like that. And you're right. It's just this little twinge of, okay, there's, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's like some huge problem. Like he's got anger issues or, you know, there's cheating or something like that. It's just like, they just seem to have outgrown each other in a way um, or, or something along those lines. And, in a way, aren't those the most tragic love stories that, that happen? It's not like there's not some big grand thing that breaks them up. It's just, oh, God, it just it's just not right. It's just not the right, uh, you know, the forever love that we thought it was. And that's really tragic. Uh, but you're right, like to juxtapose that with the bus building and, you know, the heartwarmingness of all that. You're right. You just get that sense of like, okay, well, maybe they're going to work it out. And then just, again, just rip it right back out in, a, in the most real, raw way that they can. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel anything. It's so earned, and it only takes like three scenes to get us there. It's, it's quite astounding writing. And then it's Andrea Anders delivering it to our Michelle Lasso, who's bringing us the next day that, that tearful, like she's just, Ted's finding her crying and asking him why, asking her why she's crying. And she's just like, I, I just want it to feel the way that it did. I mean, that's just, again, that, that writing a combination with the acting that's going on. It's just uh, emotionally really tugging at you at this point, because you're, you're seeing that they both have been trying, which is also why it's really hard to paint Michelle Lasso as just yeah. a villain in this. It's, it very much becomes, you can understand that struggle and you can understand why they are drifting apart and that they really are trying, even though we as an audience would love to see the six hands work together and get through this thing, right? So um, just incredible work all around. Uh, so now we get to go back to the office and getting ready for the match. Nate and Ted and Beard are chatting. And this is the first time mm -hmm. I think that Nate mentions his father. Yes. So I wanted to put a 
Again, something that I don't think I at all thought about in the first or second or third or fourth watch of this show. I think it because I had seen now season two, any reference that Nate makes to his dad, yeah. I think is what's sticking out in my mind. Um, and then uh, Ted says that him being around him more is doing more harm than good to the relationship as far as uh, they start to ask Ted, why did you travel across the world to coach this team? And why did you leave your family back in America? And he said things like, well, I would try really hard to be sweet and those things would backfire on me. So I was trying essentially that he was trying too hard. So this is Ted really starting to open up for the first time. And truly, this is like our first meeting of the Diamond Dogs yeah. as well. Uh, <laughs> and they don't call it that yet, but oof, it's oof, getting oof, there. Oof. And so it's like, you know, I, I love that this scene is allowing for Ted to start that path of vulnerability, which is, again, something that he's not going to come to all the way until Dr. Sharon gets the call after the Man City game way later in season two. So uh, I absolutely love that this scene is starting to set all that up. Jeremy, your thoughts? Yeah, this this scene is filled with so much great development here. Um, I mean, we even just get a little twinge of Beard's uh, backstory where, you know, like he laughs so hard at the idea of him being married, which is uh, pretty fantastic. I might have to recreate it at the uh, end of this show here, but... You're right, though. I did the same exact thing, though, when Nate mentioned that his dad's a cartographer. And I was just like, oh, my God, is there something there? Is there something to that? Like, cartographers have to be so precise and so rigid. And maybe that's how he was as a father. I'm reading way too much into that. I feel like uh, one of those uh, Marvel after show uh, people looking for Easter eggs, I think. Um, but here's here's the whole point, though, is that this is I can identify with this in a way I can identify with trying so hard to be everything that you think a person needs and that that kind of backfiring on you and that then it creates sort of this sort of resentment in a way um, and it can create a lot of tension and problems because it seems like you're not dealing with the thing that is really there and you're right Craig that's why you can't fault Michelle a lot in this there isn't some you know huge thing here it's just a fundamental you know loss of love uh, of of the deep relationship love um you know she still does of course love ted she always will um but you know it's one of those things that he is fully starting to realize his role in it and where and i think in the past he hasn't had to do that yet you know, it was always something he was trying from therapy. It was always something he was trying, um, you know, to, to make things better, to, to deal with what he, um, you know, perceives as the problem. But now he's fully seeing what it is because of finding her crying there and knowing that it's like she is the act of her trying to work through this is causing her pain. And how do you deal with that when it's the one thing that you want out of your life? You want that to be made whole. It, it just it hurts so much to see him dealing with that. Um, and not even the charms of, of, of Leslie Higgins can save save us from that anguish uh, at the end of that scene. But it, it's wonderful acting there by Jason. And it sets up the next two episodes so brilliantly from Ted's perspective. Justin, you have anything else to add in there? I think the I think the thing about this scene is that Higgins is actually the most important character in the room. Mm. Because you start to see Ted starts to see whenever Higgins drops the the truth bomb oh, yeah. uh in quotations that you know the one you love if you truly love them then even the heart is easy. Mm -hmm. And when Ted hears that I think the wheels start to turn yep. for him that you know maybe some changes need to be made. Mm -hmm. That if Higgins can be this successful in his marriage after all these years, that maybe, you know, maybe the end is coming, you know, for, for, for what they have uh, together. So I think Higgins for me, it, Jeremy, you said it so perfectly at the beginning and it's still sticking with me where they could have wrote Higgins as this just moron. Mm -hmm. It would have been easy. It would have been really it been easy. super easy. Just this bumbling sidekick to Rebecca. And instead, he drives the narrative of so many different scenes mm. that people don't even realize. If you once you go back and do rewatches, you start to see it. But he's so perfect in the in the minimal lines he has and what the delivery has. It, it's it's beautiful. It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
I got to tell you, I disagree with you fully because you know who actually is the most important <laughs> character in this scene and in this episode? Jamie. Now we're trying to sing over Zoom and this is not going to work out well for any of us. Uh, so Jamie and Ted start to talk before the match. Jamie didn't put his hand in when they Ugh. broke for the match. And so Ted starts to walk over and says, hey, hey, Jamie, are you a germaphobe? You know, and trying to give him the benefit of the doubt in a little bit of a snarky way there. Uh, and Jamie's just going to ignore Ted. And Ted starts to really get upset at him and, and mad at him. And then this is another heartbreaking scene. So then mm. Henry runs in and is so excited to meet Jamie, wants Jamie to sign his jersey. And then Jamie has this uh, fun conversation with Henry where he's like, I'm going to score my next goal for you. Well, and for me, but <laughs> maybe for both of us, you know, and um, yeah. it just like it just treads Ted. Right. Because he now sees that his son is basically looking at like his arch nemesis at the moment <laughs> and choosing the side of his arch nemesis. This is, this is like, uh, this is full star Wars here, right? Dude, there, Justin. Yeah. This is the first time you start to see anger too. Mm -hmm. From yeah. Ted. Yep. Like you, you, you legitimately see anger in Ted's eyes mm -hmm. when Jamie's having this discussion, like, Hey, you can keep saying all the bullshit you want to say, but I'm going to keep being me. Mm-hmm. And Ted says, listen, I'd love to dive into that right now, but I've not had a good day. And then once his son runs in, he knows he's lost. Yeah. He has lost the moment. Mm -hmm. And Jamie's won it. Yeah. Oh, there's, there, there is so much going on with Jamie in this just short little scene here. Because here's, here's the, the bulk of it. It's like we've seen Jamie go full villain uh, before already in this season. This is hard, but, hard man, bullying. Yeah, this, this feels so rough, man. Like <laughs> Even the one, even when he's walking out, that quick line to beard mm -hmm. where he's like, good boy. Yeah. And you're like, oh no! It 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 is full on like, uh, and again, like we get a little glimpse of it in when he's talking to Sam at halftime of the last game, and he's you know telling him about getting in a time machine and going and stopping his mom from you know uh, having sex with his father, <laughs> and it's like that. Even though you could still put like, oh, there's just this weird like creativeness that he's engaging in. This is just full on. I'm me. I'm more powerful than you in this situation, and mm -hmm. I'm just going to do what I do. And then when Henry walks in, he has this odd charm again. And I don't know if it's because I think that maybe Jamie, even at this point in his character arc, still sees a little of himself in every little kid he interacts with. I imagine Jamie's probably very good with children um, that, you know, like in the rare instances he's around. Yeah. Them, I think he probably is pretty good with them because he knows what his childhood was like. And so it's strange because when he's signing the Jersey and he's talking to Henry, it's very easy to see why a kid would want to look up to Jamie Tar because he's sitting there saying, I will score this goal for you. And he's still doing that bumbling idiot thing. It's just like, well, me and you, you know, and like even that. And then you're right. As he's walking out, he turns on the villain again. It's just, man, Phil, I, I told Craig this last day. I was just like, I cannot sing Phil Dunster's praises enough in both of these seasons. He is absolutely fantastic. And it makes what happens in the game so much more like pronounced as well. It's just full villain turn here. There are like 45,000 Hannah Waddingham uh, Twitter accounts. I think you need to start your own Phil Dunster, <laughs> Phil Dunster Twitter account. Phil's yeah. eyebrow uh, or something you... like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to do for sure. So now we get to go to the match. Uh, we do get to see the first half of the match here. And Sam gets injured. This is uh, a part where you're going to see basically Roy and Jamie come to Ooh. loggerheads about this because Jamie's going to walk right over Sam, Ugh. literally, not even what figuratively. Just walk right, oh, right over <laughs> Sam. Uh, and then, of course, Roy and Sam are, uh, Roy and Jamie are going to get in a fight over this. And get and yellow cards on to, each other. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've seen yeah. that in the game, <laughs> Can I say, though, it's one of my favorite lines of this entire show is Phil Dunster delivers it so perfectly. <laughs> and Sam is so he was so good. Yeah, he goes, Sam, I'm going to have to move you now. And Sam you just over. goes, yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just rolls it over. And then you get to see, though, uh, you also get to see 
Roy, after the uh, yellow card, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Roy starts to talk to Sam and starts to coach him and says, hey, this is how you do a fall. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. so, <laughs> that way you get the whole crowd cheering. Um, they do see Jamie score twice. And right before the half, Ted is actually going to go and pull Jamie. And this is a very funny scene too. Of course, Jason running up the (laughs) steps to talk to Rebecca, asking her in the middle of the match uh, if she's okay with this move. And of course she thinks it's a horrible move, but because she wants them to fail, she's definitely down for it. Um, And you can see that in the reactions of everybody else in the box around her as well. But uh, so he is going to pull Jamie out, which is of course going to cause some consternation, not only in the crowd, but also uh, for the team as well. Well, this is right before we go into the tan line speech. So anything that you want to mention in the first half of this match, or should we go right into the locker room? I'd just say one thing, which is that there's two important interactions when Ted uh, pulls Jamie from the game. One, you see Roy give like this surprise look of approval, I would say, because, and it goes straight into that locker room speech because this is then when Roy's like telling everyone to sit down and listen to Ted. Mm -hmm. So that's like kind of, I think Roy finally seeing like, okay, you have some balls to go along with, with some of this stuff. Um, but also beard, uh, beards interaction where he just looks at him. He's just like, okay, Hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, so again, it's like one of these, uh, pivotal moments for Ted where he's living out his philosophy. It's not just about the wins and losses, is it? It's about making them all better. It's about making them the best versions of themselves. And that's just not going to happen with Jamie right now. So he's got to go. Like he's, We've got to get rid of this cancer on our team right now, which leads directly into what he tells them. And, you know, I got to say that I got to give Roy a bit more credit because he throughout this is the one that has been saying, we need to give this guy at least a little bit of a chance. Mm. Even the, first press conference where you get the spit take from Jason, he's the one that's like, Hey, listen to this. Okay. And so I will say, but you, you do call out uh, appropriately him saying, Hey, you got to slow down. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love your it shirt is. all right now. Uh, Justin's wearing a Roy Kent shirt. What does it say? <laughs> Roy Kent is my spirit animal. Yes, oh, he is. Nice. <laughs> you know, I, you, I think last episode you were on, you said you ordered that shirt. Yeah. So, I did order it. Yeah. Oh, full circle now. <laughs> I like that. Um, so anyway, so we get to the tan line speech, and honestly, this could be the entire Tedism section, so yeah. I'm not going to recite it here, but the big points of the tan line speech is that you have to be brave and you have to embrace change. And then, of course, at the end of the speech, this is when he tells him to listen up, and then he smacks the belief sign, oh. uh, which has become such an iconic piece of this show. But th- this speech is just absolutely phenomenal, and it brings in so many of the things that we're going to talk about, not only at the end of season one and the philosophy that Ted Lasso brings to coaching and that positive psychology, that idea of uh, vulnerability and change and having to be brave. All Basically, the Brene Brown, uh, <laughs> yep. you know, what she preaches every single single day. And then that propels us into season two. And that's why this speech out of all the halftime and end of the game speeches that he gives, and he sure gives a really good one in the season one finale. But this speech to me is the best that Ted's going to deliver probably in the whole show. It's just phenomenal how it hits with the team. He's really starting to win them over. You see the reactions on the team when he's starting to make jokes about the tan lines and things. he's they're buying it. They're starting to really buy him as a coach. And this is going to be really important to propel them forward for sure. So any thoughts on tan line speech? Justin? I think the, the main, there's two words. I'm not going to get into the speech because I think it is a great Tedism. There's a lot of them. Uh, we're broken. Mm. First words he says, we're broken. And you see everyone look up. And I think the, the, what we see in Ted as a leader and one, this entire speech, Ted's talking to the team, but he's really talking to himself. Yep. I mean, o- overall, this is an inner dialogue that he's projecting out into a room full of, full of grown men. Uh, he's talking to himself. And when he says we're broken, he's accepting the fact that to be a leader, whether you're a leader of a team or a leader of a family, you have to accept the fact that you're broken and you have to accept the fact that you have failures before you can help other people with you know, their failures and, and uh, if they're broken as well. And I think Ted is now seeing it and now it's fully clicked in. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't add anything to that, Jer. No, I mean, it's a biblical principle, isn't it? Remove the plank from your own eye. Um, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things. Um, 
but yeah, it it, it is. Uh, I do just love that. Even at the end, they do that give that little comedic twist where, and by and by her, I mean Lady Football, um, which is pretty uh, fantastic. Good cover, good cover, and everything. But uh, Craig, you were my like uh, I said, like episode three when Ted gives his speech to Trent Krim. That's where I knew um, I loved the show. Um, when he hits that believe sign and the way in which he does it, that's when I knew I was always going to love this show because it just, it's like so perfectly executed from that speech and making sure that everybody's looking and, you know, it even says like, I want everybody to look at me before I say this. And then just to smack that thing like so hard, it's just like, yes, like I am bought in at this point, I will go out there and play for Richmond. (laughs) It's why it becomes such an emotional piece of the puzzle when it's when you're talking Ted Lasso. I mean, it's why mm-hmm. when Isaac walks up to him it, at the end of the season two finale and puts his hand on that, and then the rest of the team does as well. There's so much emotional weight to that. It's why you see believe signs everywhere. I mean, the uh, the Mariners this season, yeah. they had in every seat in their stadium they had believe signs. Oh, they were so uh, somebody close. Was just, to, oh. <laughs> it, somebody was just running the St. Jude's Marathon, and there was somebody over the overpass in memphis with a big belief sign i mean mm-hmm. this is why this matters so much and this is why it's moving not just in the tv and like us geeking out about this show but in real life people are seeing these belief signs everywhere and it's because it really you know, of course he puts it up earlier but it's really now when you start to understand the philosophy that goes behind it so we are tied going into the last few minutes of the match and then you do see that roy makes the extra pass to sam uh, in over in extra time and is able to get Sam to score. And then Richmond is going to win this game. Uh, that is just, everybody's so jubilant about it. And everybody is so happy about the win. And this is where you see Ted lift up Henry as well. And you get this great uh, image of him holding Henry on the jumbotron and Rebecca saying, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. And I think meaning, Oh shit. Like, a couple of different ways. First of all, she's starting to believe in this, I think. <laughs> uh-huh. But then also, this is an image that she knows it's going to be so hard to destroy. You know, it, it's it's not going to be easy that we're just going to bring this dumb coach over from America and he's going to destroy this team. Now she's got this personal inner conflict, but then also the exterior he's going to win over a lot of people with this one match and he's going to win over not only the team, but also the fans are going to start to come with him too. And so I, I love all of that. I love that in scene. I love that we get a lot of soccer in this mm. episode. We make fun of the show so much for <laughs> not giving us, you know, most of the time, especially in season two, it's like laughable that it's like the game is like, you got Arlo white going, the game is on. The, game the game's at half, yeah. you know, like within the first 15 seconds of each other or whatever. But uh, Justin, talk to us about what it feels like to have that major soccer victory. Uh, and do you ever lift Riley up on your shoulders? Has that happened before? Uh, I have not. Riley comes off the bench, but um, <laughs> <laughs> even having dad and his coach does not help her. A um, couple things. One, the wanker becomes relatable. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. I mean, that's and, and Rebecca knows it. You're talking about everyone. You see Joy, such a great shot of the stands that goes to Rebecca, and she just is. I, I've lost control. Mm-hmm. Yep, this yeah. is no longer my team. Either I buy in, or I become the villain. And it's 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 absolutely perfect because it is that transition for her character arc. Like now we start to see that she's going to start going down the other way, which, you know, we, the lovable Rebecca that we know uh, in the future is coming. Um, but yeah, my favorite thing from the whole is, is, is beard when he walks up and he goes, they're going wanker, wank, you know, and he goes, same, uh, same word, but different, but different you know, it's just, it's, it's so good, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. I, I, I'm going to go with you on that too, Justin. I'm going to go with you on uh, uh, Rebecca's reaction to this because, you know, I think it also shows that there is a proof of concept here that Ted is a for real coach. He might not coach soccer uh, or ever in his life, but he is a legit coach because you know this coaching uh, a sport and you see it all the time in professional sports. There are teams 
mm-hmm. a lot of times in the NBA that have an amazing star player, that star player will go down with injury or something or the other, and the team plays better without them. Um, yep. It happens in football too. And it's strange because, again, it is Ted's whole philosophy of coaching. You have to work together. You have to make the extra pass. You have to be the best version of yourselves. And honestly, you don't need sometimes that superstar player. You just need to play as one. And I think now Rebecca is even seeing like, oh, crap, this guy can coach. Um, You know, like he took Jamie Tart out of the game and still won. In fact, it was the right decision, which nobody thought except for him. So I think that's also a part of the equation there. It's funny, too, man, because Ted, like I mentioned earlier, he wants to create this family. But sports in general, that's what it is. And you said it perfectly. Whereas if you have that one cancer in the locker room or you have, you know, a cancer even in the stands, Mm -hmm. you know, to create this perfect unity, sometimes losing people is best. It's a great lesson in life in general. Like if you cut positivity is infectious, yeah. but negativity, negativity is even more infectious. Mm-hmm. If you cut out the negativity, it's unbelievable how far you can go in life. Yeah. And that's what this show teaches us is to cut out the negativity and to keep those positive people around us constantly. And it's just each and every week you're laughing with the jokes, but then you're also getting these life lessons. And that's what just makes Ted Lasso so different Mm. from any other show that's out there. And I got to say too, Henry delivers one of the best, I'm not going to say it because it might be a Tedism, (laughs) but one of the best like lines at the end of this entire scene ever, you know, with Ted, with Ted uh, explaining what a wanker is. So it's fantastic. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Henry's fantastic throughout this. Uh, It's so well acted all throughout now we get to the end of the episode and we get just a bit with uh roy and keely here the the budding relationship potentially because we do get to see (laughs) yeah absolutely we get to see uh roy apologizing to keely but really the end of this episode is all about ted and michelle and they're talking about um their relationship and i you know it's again this is just pulling at those heartstrings but this is where Ted finally says to her, he's going to be okay. And what's interesting about that is that we know as an audience, having now seen <laughs> what we have seen, is that Ted's really not going to be okay. No. Uh, but he's certainly letting Michelle kind of know that, that this is gonna, that she doesn't need to be trying so hard to make that fire come back to be able to have what they used to have. Um, and that she, he's going to be okay. And then the, uh, you know, I know I'm breaking my own rule here because it is such a great Tedism, <laughs> but, uh, it's actually delivered by Michelle. So Ted says he promised himself he would never quit anything. And Michelle said, you're not quitting Ted. You're just letting me go. And it's just, Oh God, like you get chills just even thinking about, uh, how those lines are delivered and, and everything else. And then of course we have Henry and Michelle leave. Um, and then the end of the episode who's immediately there once Henry and Michelle leave beard uh, beard is right there, right by his side. He knows that he's going to need him there on that bench with a beer. And uh, that's how we're going to end our episode. One thing before maybe not so serious thing before I t- uh, go to both of you, what the heck time is their flight? Because <laughs> Henry and Michelle, it's like right after the match. It's it like, when are they leaving? Why are they? I understand from a writing perspective, that you want this to happen at this time, but because you want coach beard there, you want like the elation of the celebration of the win. And then this is going to bring us down a little bit and, and kind of in the episode, but what the hell time are they flying out of this place? Right. <laughs> I flew out of London at 9 PM with a three-year-old one time. Oh, so Ooh. maybe this is so maybe back it's a to, thing. back to Orlando after a flight delay. And uh, I will tell you that I would say their flight did not go well. Okay. <laughs> just, just so everyone knows. Okay. Just from personal experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, anything about Justin, you're the guest, anything about this last bit of scene here before we close out uh, this episode? Uh, it's heartbreaking and it's heartbreaking for everyone. Everyone can relate to it because everyone's been in love at some point in their life. Um, and the fact that Ted's strong enough to let her go is, is more than I think most could do. Mm. I think the selfish aspect of most of us would still fight to make it work. And I think it really says a lot about his character that internally, he externally, we don't know how, how stained he is, you know, and, and how hurt he is internally he does. And he's still making this decision. 
And I think that says a lot about Ted. And I think that says a lot about why people look up to him as a character. The fact that he could make this decision for, he's not just making it for his wife either. He's making it for his son Mm. because he wants his son to grow up in a world where, you know, he has two loving parents and sometimes two loving parents are apart, not together. And there's a lot of people out there who can relate to that. And I think that it's such a powerful scene. I think the scene in total lasts about four and a half, five minutes. And I'd put it up there with any, I mean, there's some really powerful scenes in scene in season two. It's way up there. If you guys were to do a show on most powerful scenes, it's got to be in your top five. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that seems like a show maybe you'll be back for at some Love point. Do, I, I've only I, done all of the like very serious episodes, <laughs> serious, like very heavy episodes. So I, <laughs> so we got to do a beard after dark retrospective and bring him back. man. <laughs> I was on, honest to God. I was thinking about, I was like, how can we, because we literally just covered it in August, but I was like, how can we do a Carol of the bells second episode where we Please. just talk about that again? But I was like, maybe, um, you know, and this is planning on the fly, but maybe we do a Christmas episode where it's like, what are the characters' favorite songs and movies? I've been seeing that a lot it. on Twitter. Go. So I don't know. Maybe we we'll check that. that out. But but yeah, no, this is uh, uh it, this the end of this episode is just phenomenal. Jeremy, you have any other thoughts with it? Uh no, I mean it's just you're right, it is absolutely heartbreaking. Um uh, yeah, Mumford and Sons is forever playing underneath it. Um I mean if you don't uh, A, every Mumford song is amazing, but like if you go and lit like specifically read the lyrics to that song, it's a perfect encapsulation of what's happening mm-hmm. here. Um, and yeah, it is just absolutely tragic. And, um, but I do like the way that the, the episode ends though, that line where he says, you know, I think we might be turning this thing around. This episode is a very pivotal point moment for a lot of people in this one, not just Ted and Michelle's relationship, but the team as a whole, Roy deciding he's going to be okay talking to Keely and being vulnerable with her and showing that he can apologize to her. Um, You know, uh, this is also the scene. Remember where, um, when they're celebrating, this is the picture that Nate gives to Ted um, as a present, Um, that picture of them together celebrating this win specifically. Um, So, you know, there's just a lot of pivotal moments in this episode, which is, uh, probably why it's your favorite, Craig. <laughs> uh, it, it is pretty good. You know what is my favorite part of our episodes? Ooh, I got an it's idea. It's time for Tedisms. Tedisms. For each week, we share biscuits truth. All right, Justin, you are our guest, so you get to go first. What is your Tedism? Or you can let's start with just one Tedism. <laughs> I have a full page here. Yeah, I, I am so excited about it. There's so many good Tedisms in this uh, in this episode. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with Keely and Rebecca. One of my favorites is when uh, they're standing and Rebecca says, so so what do you do? And Keely says, I'm sort of famous for being almost famous. Almost. And I'm like, isn't that every famous person in Hollywood pretty much? I love it. Now, because you already had Keely and Rebecca, we also get a great line during the press conference where uh, Keely says to Rebecca, uh, no, we're done. God, I love that you care, though. I'd kiss you on the mouth if I could reach those lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just perfect. Jeremy, you got uh, you got a tennism for There's us? There's one that, uh, that caught me by surprise because I didn't remember it for the first time. But when Jamie and Ted are having their uh, face off in there, Ted tells him, like, sometimes you remind me of my grandma channel hopping. You just push all the wrong buttons. <laughs> Which I just thought was a great, like, folksy tennism there. <laughs> Justin? Uh, I'm going to leave one of my favorites for Jeremy because I think he referenced it early in the show when the Diamond Dogs are first coming together. Mm. Uh, But I am going to go with when the team's celebrating the win. (laughs) It's so blunt and it's so Roy. Roy walks up to Ted and he just goes, took balls what you did. Ted goes, all we got is balls, Roy. All we got is balls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, You know, Leslie Higgins drops these bits of knowledge. He does it throughout season one and season two. And so uh, at when they're talking and maybe this isn't necessarily what Ted needs to hear, but it's, it's Higgins truth. Right. And he says about his wife, that's the thing though, isn't it? If you're with the right person, the hard times are easy. Even the hard times are easy. Mm -hmm. 
That's a great mm. one. I got I got a little bit of uh, a funnier part there because again I didn't remember this one, but when he's given Henry the scone, <laughs> the line is because here's the thing: I actually ate a scone this morning, and I thought this exact same thing where he says, "Hey, this here's a scone. It's like a muffin, except it sucks all the spit out of your mouth." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that thing is so dry, <laughs> but it tastes so good. <laughs> Oh, and then when he's talking, actually, right when he first sees, this is such a great Tedism coming from Ted, uh, when he sees Henry for the first time and he goes, look how tall you got. And you've got teeth now and you can talk. You can talk. <laughs> no, it's, just like, it's just so perfect. Oh, gosh, Justin, yeah. what else you got? Uh, Jamie Tart, of course, we mentioned in a press conference. One of my favorite lines, is, and it's the first line he delivers. Like mythology? You ever seen a brunicorn? <laughs> <laughs> again that had to best. be improv it had to be improv. oh man it's just so great i uh i think we could like insert the entirety of the tan line speech here um we could read it all to you but again that speech is just absolutely incredible uh where it comes in this season and where it comes uh in this series any others that you all have, Jeremy? You got any more? Well, I mean, of course, someone call nine one one because I want to report a truth bomb. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I've got one more. I think I think we were talking about it. Nate Nate says to Beard, "You ever been married?" And Ted goes, "Coach's views on a romantic relationship are not to, uh, too dissimilar to coaching uh, cooking steak. You spend more than five minutes on it, and it loses its flavor." Sound right, Coach? And Beard goes, "Yeah, yep, <laughs> <laughs> yep." Also, anytime uh, I get a Brendan Hunt yell, I mean, like just the way he says "ha" huh, in that scene. You ever oh, been married? The, you ever been married, Coach? He's like, ha! the the Brendan Hunt when he says, uh, uh, "Ted says, who was president then?" Oh yeah, Ronald Reagan, and he does the Reagan. <laughs> Ronald <defense>. Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Ronald Reagan. It's a very good Christopher Lloyd, man. I do. There's a little one at the beginning too, where he said tried couples counseling, didn't like the other couple. That didn't like the other couple. I yeah, love it. that's the one that actually gets Rebecca to genuinely laugh. I think. <laughs> and we mentioned it before, but I think uh, the closing line of this scene where Ted says, "Keep an eye on us. We might be turning this thing around." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a perfect way to bridge us into the second half of season one. Uh, And holy moly, man, this has been just so much fun breaking down my favorite episode, maybe of the whole series. It's funny because it it, maybe it's something to do with uh, Leslie Higgins wife, but this, and then also rainbow, both the fifth episode of the season, both, fall uh make me fall in love with this show so much more maybe because you do get some of that like higgins knowledge in there and like you said justin maybe he's the most important character we have in this show i don't know i don't know let's stick with it i like it higgins for life higgins for president how about that let's do it mvp man that's right that's right bring back all the downton abbey bring back ted lasso (laughs) he's got an album coming out i want the uh swift to to hit us all here in 2022 as we move forward. Justin, it's been just so much fun having you on again. And thank you for coming on. Uh, Can you tell everyone where they can go and check out the Disney dads? Of course. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. You know, uh, it's funny because Ted and I, uh, Ted and I, wow, Craig and I have connected. Oh, you can be my Ted. I love it. Uh, I do that at least once uh, a show. It's really weird. (laughs) You know what, Jeremy? I, I was listening to episode four earlier of your show and you did do it didn't I know. you That's, i do that yeah. to him all the time can I, we just I, change his name yeah just, that, i guess just, i'm just gonna be ted now. ted mcfarland right, man ted, I, mean, I gotta thank you so much for having me on because ted you and i have connected uh over disney but now we've also connected over ted lasso and it's it really is a remarkable community uh that that the the lasso community is because it is built around positivity Mm. and that's what the disney dads is as well it's built around family it's built around positivity and so you can check us out um have a great facebook page which uh of course peanut butter biscuits will soon too uh (laughs) that uh you can go check out it's disney dads podcast family on facebook disney dads podcast uh, dot com of course find us anywhere you want to find uh listen to your podcast itunes stitcher uh spotify all those great places so really really appreciate you guys uh, having me on i this is a highlight to uh to, to my week for sure absolutely and then i'm gonna go ahead and pull an audible here before now i know that that's not actually a 
uh, football term, uh, English football. That's an American, <laughs> American football, term. football term. I'm going to throw this out there to our audience and see if Jeremy rolls his eyes at me. But we are going to do next week. We're going to talk our top Tedisms, and we want to hear from you what your top Tedisms yeah. are. So you can email us those at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. But you know what I would love, actually, if you would uh, email those to us as a voice memo or as a video, and then that way we can actually hear your voice talk about why this is your particular your favorite tedism and then that way we can include some of those in our episode as well i would absolutely love to be able to do that and you know what justin you've talked us into it we will establish and we will have established (laughs) by the time this episode drops you'll be able to join the peanut butter and biscuits facebook page you can also find us on twitter pbb frn as well so go and check out all those places jeremy you got anything to say before we wrap this thing up no man i mean front row network as well we're part of the front row network on npr illinois find us anywhere uh there there's just tons of stuff i mean guys look it's geek season man spider-man 3 is coming out hawkeye's almost done and uh we got the we've already started planning our geek year in review it's gonna be nuts uh the book of boba fett yes uh, it drops pretty soon yeah and then You know what? Uh, Most important day, other than the premiere of Ted Lasso for me, we found out February 18th, Marvelous Miss Maisel coming back for the next season, and I'm so excited about it. I could probably do an entire podcast. You're going to start a Miss Maisel show, show, aren't you? You are Uh, going to start a Maisel show. I don't know if I can handle three (laughs) weekly shows. So I think that that might be. you know, Michelle and Ted had their problems. Uh, Craig and Anna might that have would their be, problems yeah. <laughs> if we started a third weekly show. So, Justin, again, it's been so great having you. It's been so great having you all listen to us. Thank you so much for supporting us. And, again, let us know what you're thinking about the show. Leave us a review. Uh, check us out wherever you find us on social media, that Peanut Butter and Biscuits Facebook page, and then also on Twitter, PBBFRN. So I think that that's it. Let's wrap this thing up. So for Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I am Craig. I'm Jeremy. I'm Justin. And as always, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.